Blog Talk Radio. You are tuned in to the informant. there. Well, thanks for tuning in again here to the informant on the Radio PI Network. And we are Blog Talk Radio tonight. 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, it's uh, Thursday, December 15, 2016, and I'm your host, Private Investigator Will ZPI. And we are watching you here live in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm still fighting this horrible illness. Hey, I apologize if I sound a little rough on my last show, but I appreciate you guys being here with me. And uh, trying to get this chat to open up. It's, uh, yeah, if it opens up, it opens up. Obviously, I can't uh, see it. So hopefully I am sounding a bit better tonight. I'm sure there's a lot of people complaining about the recent changes here on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, they're now charging to do shows, any shows. Also, the recent uh, Google changes, all the algorithms there, a lot of people in an uproar, including myself. But that's another subject. Tonight, I'm going to be discussing how hiring a licensed private investigator to locate someone can be a benefit to you. As we get closer to the holidays, Some of you may want to locate someone you've fell out of contact with, maybe a family member or an old flame or just someone you knew and would like to locate again. Or maybe you're an employer looking for a former employee that skipped out with company goods. Whatever the reason, I'm going to be discussing why a private investigator could help you locate someone. Also, when it's not okay to try and locate and contact somebody, so stay tuned. We'll be right back as we begin the show here on The Informant. Some walk by night, some fly by day. Hey folks, Will ZPI here. When you need answers to important questions. Is he cheating? Why is he always guarding his phone? Whose number is this? He was supposed to be home two hours ago. When you need the help of licensed professionals at W&W Solutions. Specializing in infidelity, insurance fraud, skip traces, telephone numbers, welfare checks, missing persons, and even computer forensics. 
Our licensed investigators can help you in the Southwest Florida area. Visit www.willzpi.com for more information regarding our private investigation services. That's willzpi.com, license number 8280088. Why not find out today? Author of True Spiritual Warfare and Paranormal Activity, book 225th Street, Patrick Meekin. He's just released the prequel, Nightmare in Holmes County. This controversial book will bring you face-to-face with the reality of spiritual warfare and expose hidden secrets that the forces of darkness use to control and destroy people's lives. Nightmare in Holmes County, available now on Amazon. Check it out. Get your music on. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The last nail is being driven into the coffin of the American Republic, yet Congress remains in total denial as our liberties are rapidly fading before our eyes. The process is propelled by unwarranted fear and ignorance as to the true meaning of liberty. Our constitutional journey did not stop then, and it must not stop now. Check out Christian rapper Ninja Scrolls' latest albums, The Truth Hurts and The United Slaves of America, for purchase. All right, we're back. You're listening to The Informant. I'm Will ZPI. If you'd like to listen in by phone, that number is 845-277-9265. And, of course, if you need a private investigator, check out my website, willzpi.com. I also have some very informative uh, links there on my website as well. And don't forget to check the archives here on the Radio PI Network so if you've been uh, considering locating someone, perhaps at some point you spent the countless hours scurrying the Internet, and you spent money on some of those online databases with no luck, or you reached out to everyone you can think of, you searched uh, social media, but still no luck, well, that's usually the time someone will call someone like me. And yes, private investigators have access to more information than you'll find on the Internet. However, you're going to need to recall more than just a name in a lot of instances or a first and last name. I've had many people call my office with a first name thinking we could find that person or only had a partial name. You know, I'm, a, I'm of course, I'm the type of investigator that wants to get the information my clients need. But let's be realistic. Sometimes there's not enough information to begin with to get the additional information that's needed. Sometimes a client is asking for a shot in the dark. And I need to mention that when hiring a private investigator, if he or she suspects a client has ill intent, they cannot and should not elect to retain, be retained by the client. That's why I have, I have client intake forms that state that. You should not, also not attempt to locate a person if there's a restraining order in effect there. And, you know, in Florida, a private investigator cannot be retained if there's an injunction. And as I discuss this, I'm going to get, get into a bit of what it should cost to locate someone. Okay, so 
you should have as much additional information as you can recall. So you might want to write down a few things here if you're listening. First, you want to have, at the very least, a first and last name and middle name, if you know that. If you can recall the city and state where they last lived or lived at one time, a previous address. You know, most uh, databases, you know, private investigator has access to will show a previous address and we can often match it, you know, reference that 100% to that person that you're trying to locate. And every case varies. You know, so we got to understand that, you know, going in when you when you're hiring a private investigator, you know, someone's purposely trying to live off the grid or something, those cases can be very challenging. So a full name, a previous address or a city and state where the person used to live. Uh, the person's date of birth. Uh, someone, uh, and if you if you can uh, even recall their approximate age or date of birth, that helps. In some cases, a client may have only a tag number. Usually, someone involved in an accident or something will get a call like that. You know, any investigator should be able to you know turn up a plate in their database and get the owner's information. However, you know each state law varies what information can be obtained. I can only speak from Florida. And sometimes, you know, a vehicle tag may not be registered to the person you're looking for. So you get, these are things you've got to consider when you're looking for a person. And there's a few things that uh, should just about guarantee any private investigator locating someone. And that's if you happen to have the person's name, date of birth, social security number, and driver's license number. Other circumstances, a client um, may have a name, no address, but is, has uh, relatives' information or a common friend or no old employer. You know, a case such as that, the investigator have to reach out to the relatives or friends, or they may have to go out and do some door knocking. And that's when a person locate could turn into good old-fashioned footwork. So I guess I should discuss what it uh, what it should cost, and it's really difficult to determine that since each case could be different. I will tell you how I handle a person locate. I will start with a few hours, and we're usually successful in locating somebody based on the information provided within a few hours, or at least, at the very least, I'll know you know, uh, what direction we should be, be headed, what we should be, do, be doing next. So depending on the case and, and the information provided, you know, at the very least, it could be under a few hundred dollars. You know, I've seen some investigators for that same, same rate. I've, I've seen them have a flat rate as much as $800. And that's really to run somebody through a private investigator database and get that. So, it, you know, they're charging you $800. And again, there's no... 100% guarantee. So you can spend $800, $750, or find an investigator like me that can do it for under a few hundred dollars most of the time, again, depending. But I would encourage you to shop around you know, for a private investigator, ask the questions before retaining him or her, just like you would if you're looking for an attorney. Now, if your case requires a lot of footwork, you know, meaning the investigator has to make a lot of phone calls, do a lot of research, going, you know, knocking on doors, 
going to different cities or whatever, that this could run into as much as a few thousand, being realistic there. So uh, looks like the chat's not opening up for me. I don't know. Maybe it is uh, on on uh, someone else's in there, but I can't see it on, on mine here. So uh, if you want to listen in by phone, 845-277-9265. And we're discussing how retaining a private investigator can help locate a person. And uh, let's get into some of the missing person cases. I have a lot of an interest for that. A lot of investigators don't. But um, yeah, I want to mention a guy. He's a retired law enforcement guy, very very smart man. His name's David Politis. He's written a series of books titled Missing 411. I'm sure many of you have heard about him. I'm in no way affiliated with Mr. Politis or his books. But if you haven't already heard of him, I recommend you check him out. Now, what makes David Politis and the Missing 411 books interesting is he writes about many of the missing person cases where the missing persons have seemingly disappeared into the thin air, mainly at the national parks. And he investigates a small percentage of the cases that have no explanation. Very fascinating. He's even gotten into the urban disappearances and abroad, and um, he's got several interviews out there. You can probably find here on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or YouTube. He's working on a movie, which should be out in the next few months. And again, his name is David Politis, Missing 411. Check it out. Very interesting study. If you like that sort of thing. You know, so one of the missing person cases I've worked was a mother looking for her daughter. And now these cases can be very, very difficult and time-consuming, and the results are are often not always good. They can be very expensive because they run into a lot of hours, a lot of time. And it's better if there's more than one investigator that's working on that case. The case that I just mentioned took four of us to locate this girl. And to make a long story short, she was strung out on drugs. We found her in a motel with several men. And I'll tell you, if the mother hadn't hired her, hadn't hired our agency, she may not have found her daughter. Her daughter probably would have been dead if she didn't hire us. She was not in good condition. And when we located her and reunited her back with her mom, that's just a reward to us in itself. But it's no joke out there today, folks. And the news just today, I read of a six-day-long undercover sting operation in Polk County, Florida, which focused on human trafficking and those advertising prostitution services online, resulting in 114 arrests that were made Four were believed to be the victims of human trafficking. One of the suspects arrested was believed to be part of an international sex trafficking ring. And two of the uh, suspects were arrested for traveling to an undercover location to have sex with who they thought were children. So big thanks goes out to the Polk County Sheriff's Office for removing the scum off the street. These threats off of the street. I, I like hearing stories about that. 
But often, you know, you don't hear about such things. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about a uh, missing persons case. It's a, a runaway. Because, you know, in a, in a missing persons case, it could be a runaway. It could be an adult, someone who doesn't want to be found. Usually, in that matter, it has to do with a family situation, a, a custody battle. You know, it could be an older person who's gone missing that may have Alzheimer's. It could be a... Some kind of a mental illness, um, other reasons that we want to locate someone. It could be to identify a current residence for the service of a process for legal documents, someone who's skipped out on a loan or a legal matter. Now, in a runaway case, that's what I want to get to now. We're dealing with a juvenile, which the parents still have have rights. Again, folks, I only can speak from the guidelines of Florida where I'm licensed. So the first thing in a runaway case is to file a a report with the police so they're aware the child's missing. So you've got them out there actively doing their thing. You want to recall where the child was last seen. And knowing the routine patterns can also help. Of course, talking to friends, neighbors, and family – and, you know, each case is different. You know, if it's uh, you feel there might be an abduction situation or a ransom situation, you might might not want to make such a big uh, stink about things. You might, might want to keep that more quiet. If it's, you know, you don't know and they they ran away, then you're going to want to raise as much, you know, commotion as you can by talking to the friends and neighbors and family. And if you choose to hire a private investigator, they may want to look in the child's room you know, most of the uh, the time, these are teenagers, and by looking in the room, they could find something that might help them locate, you know, the, the teen. It could be a cell phone they've hidden away or a diary or something. I mean, it could be, uh, you know, kids could be very creative in the places that they stash things. Things have been found in air vents, a lot of strange places. Also, uh, there's social media that should be monitored. And if, they, if you've got them a cell phone, don't turn it off. That may be the only way that you can uh, have contact with them. But it's different. It's much different when adults go missing. That could be a lot more challenging. And, again, most of the time when adults go missing, they don't want to be found. And nowadays with Go phones, it makes it very difficult, virtually impossible to track. And if a missing adult is located it's not a crime to be missing. However, a welfare check, if we find a welfare check, can be made by law enforcement. And these days, people leave a lot of footprints on, on through the Internet and forums, discussion groups, other media. And if that's discovered by an investigator, he can pose as someone online to get information about that person. Sometimes in missing person cases, um, it could have occurred many years ago when a family member wants to hire an investigator to see if uh, the person could still be found. There's organizations that have databases for missing persons. You know, a missing person can be reported to a missing persons uh, organization and searched in their database for clues. One that began in 2005 is the National Missing and Unidentified Person System. And in 2013, they were successful in resolving 
over 70 cases with over 15,000 cases in their database. Folks, I'm going to take another quick break, and when we return, I've got some clips by the Denver Police Department, how they, from, from beginning to end, how they work a missing persons case. So stay tuned here to the Informant Blog Talk Radio. Some walk by night, some fly by day. Hey folks, Will ZPI here. When you need answers to important questions. Is he cheating? Why is he always guarding his phone? Whose number is this? He was supposed to be home two hours ago. When you need the help of licensed professionals at W&W Solutions. Specializing in infidelity, insurance fraud, skip traces, telephone numbers, welfare checks, missing persons, and even computer forensics. Our licensed investigators can help you in the southwest Florida area. Visit www.willzpi.com for more information regarding our private investigation services. That's willzpi.com, license number 8280088. Why not find out today? author of True Spiritual Warfare and Paranormal Activity, book 225th Street, Patrick Meekin. He's just released the prequel, Nightmare in Holmes County. This controversial book will bring you face-to-face with the reality of spiritual warfare and expose hidden secrets that the forces of darkness use to control and destroy people's lives. Nightmare in Holmes County, available now on Amazon. Check it out. No matter how long a person has gone missing and how long it's been since their families talked to them, whether it's 10 months or 10 years, you always get a sense that there is some part of them that still believes there's a possibility that their loved one is still alive. NamUs stands for the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, a database consisting of missing persons cases and a database consisting of unidentified persons or unidentified remains cases. The evolution of NamUs really began back in 2005. A census had been done in the previous year by the Bureau of Justice Statistics, and it was identified that in law enforcement offices, medical examiners, and coroner's offices around the country, there could be as many as 40,000 sets of unidentified human remains, doing anything from sitting in a person's desk drawer to sitting in evidence boxes. There needed to be a central repository or database that people could look at missing persons cases. And since then, we have assisted in resolving over 70 cases, and we just reached the milestone of having 15,000 cases total in the system. I honestly believe, since I've started working on this program, that a family who has a missing loved one or a loved one who has been the victim of a violent crime, which many of these cases end up being, endure one of the the most difficult types of pain that any family or human being can endure. There was a case in the mid to early 80s. A young lady went missing from the Kansas City, Missouri area, but her remains were found in Ohio, several states away. In the early 80s, there was no ability for law enforcement agencies to share information 
about unidentified persons. The sister of this individual who had gone missing and as a member of the general public went into the system, added personally identifiable information based on two tattoos that her sister had at the time and came up with an immediate match. She went to her local law enforcement agency that contacted the law enforcement agency in Ohio and it was confirmed through dental records and DNA that the body was actually her sister. And that, was, that case went from the early 80s to 2009. I don't really believe that it ever brings closure because they, have, they will always have lost that loved one. But it does bring the resolution of knowing what happened and at least gives them the opportunity to put them to rest peacefully and move on with the next part of their life. Welcome back to The Informant. I'm Will ZPI. And that was the National Missing in Person System. Check them out. Also, uh like to thank Patrick Meekin and Ninja Scroll. Check them out. And uh, next we're going to discuss, uh, I'm going to play a clip about how the Denver police, um, how their detectives work in a, a missing persons case from beginning to end. And keep in mind, missing persons cases, it, it, it's not necessarily a crime. You know, police only make arrests after a crime has been committed, and that's another reason you might want to retain a licensed private investigator. So I'm going to go ahead and play the uh, this clip for you, a walkthrough from beginning to end, what the police do on a missing persons case. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Denver Police News. I'm Sergeant Steve Warnicke. One of the things that we're able to do here is provide more information to the public than ever before, and we're also able today to give you an opportunity to hear things that you couldn't normally have heard. We're here with Detective uh, Ted Benet of the Denver Police Department Missing and Exploited Persons Unit. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So there's been a tremendous amount of national interest regarding missing person cases lately, and I was hoping you could walk us through the anatomy of a case and how it works. And I'd like to make note that we're not talking about any case in particular, that this is an opportunity to tell the public how a detective works a missing person's case from beginning to end. So walk us through that. What is our obligation when we get the report of a missing person? So uh, first of all, there is no minimum period of time um, uh, which uh, a person must wait in order to report someone missing. Uh, and so when, when I get the report from patrol of a missing person, my first um, job is to get them on, it's called the National Crime Information Computer, and that's the computer database by which law enforcement securely talks to each other. Um, and uh, once I've done that, then uh, I look for leads in the case. Uh, I check all the different databases to which we have access, and I uh, and the other missing person detective look for things, um, places that we might find this person readily. Maybe they've been incarcerated. Maybe um, they're in a hospital. A lot of our missing people end up in hospitals. So you do detective work once you find, you want to follow up on every lead. Yes, sir. When that comes to an end or you've exhausted your leads, uh, at what point do we turn to the public, the media, for help? Every case is different, uh, but the public can um, be a great tool in having eyes everywhere, of course, in calling in leads to us. So um, if there is a, uh, if we get a case that has circumstances that um, 
lead us to believe that maybe this person is out and about or that leads from the public would help us in finding that person, then we can go to, um, to the media or put something out as a department um, requesting tips, leads, uh, any information that people might have found. One of the tricky cases involves the distinction between juveniles and adults. Talk about the investigative differences or the protocol differences in those two cases. It's not a crime for an adult to go missing. Um, and so, um, and, and the reason is because people have a right to privacy and people have the right not to be found. Um, there are several circumstances, um, like maybe a domestic violence situation where someone is fleeing an abusive relationship, um, in, which, in which case they don't want to be found by certain people. Um, but we have to balance that with the, the reporting person's right to know that their loved one is okay. So uh, the, in a distinction between adults and juveniles, um, and, it, and it runs the, the gambit of age, um, then there's a vulnerability issue. Uh, and so if we get a case of, let's say, a 16 or 17-year-old who, um, you know, if they don't have any reported disabilities, we will approach that case differently than we would, let's say, a case of an 11-year-old who um, may or may not have some, some issues with disability, but, but would be, by virtue of their age, more vulnerable to, um, to danger. Let's say we find somebody and they're okay. What then is our job at that point? What do we do? So we have a duty to um, make sure that they're okay, make sure that they're alert, they know who they are, where they are, they're not a danger to themselves or others. And, but then we also have a duty to respect their right to privacy. So law enforcement, when they contact someone who's been reported missing uh, and they're an adult, um, law enforcement will ask for their permission to locate them to the reporting person and they will also offer that reporting person's phone number information to that missing person. If the missing person gives their permission, great, then that law enforcement will call the reporting person and make the reunion and let them know that everything's okay and where they're at. If the person who's been reported missing declines or does not give permission to be found, then uh, we still respect the reporting person's right to know that they're okay, but we do not disclose their location to the reporting person because we are over and above respecting the missing person's right to privacy. I mean, Ted, can we find somebody, detain them, demand to know what they've been up to, question them, um, any of those things? Not without probable cause that a crime has been committed or reasonable suspicion that, that there is some reason to believe that we need to dig further, that this is more than just a straightforward missing person's case. How many cases do you work on an average day? On average, maybe 10 new cases a day. By and large, um, they are found okay. I think uh, roughly on average about half are located within the first three days. Any of them turned into homicides? I mean, if you, I, obviously not hard and fast numbers here, but if you had to guess, how many of them turn into something really serious like a homicide? Maybe between one to three a year will end up being, being a homicide. Um, in which case, we will partner with the homicide unit to investigate it. So what's a great day for you at the missing persons unit? So our goal is to reunite people, and that's a good feeling when we're able to uh, bring the missing people and the reporting people together, people that have uh, been worried about them, and we enjoy that, and um, we strive to do that in, in every case. With all the attention, national attention, on missing person cases, we hope this 
shed some light on our process and protocol and how we work a case, as well as gives you information that you've never had before. Thanks for watching. I'm Sergeant Steve Warnicke for Denver Police News. Folks, Will ZPI here. When you need answers to important questions. Is he cheating? Why is he always guarding his phone? Whose number is this? He was supposed to be home two hours ago. When you need the help of licensed professionals at W&W Solutions. Specializing in infidelity, insurance fraud, skip traces, telephone numbers, welfare checks, missing persons, and even computer forensics. Our licensed investigators can help you in the Southwest Florida area. Visit www.willzpi.com for more information regarding our private investigation services. That's willzpi.com, license number 8280088. Why not find out today? Author of True Spiritual Warfare and Paranormal Activity, book 225th Street, Patrick Meekin. He's just released the prequel, Nightmare in Holmes County. This controversial book will bring you face to face with the reality of spiritual warfare and expose hidden secrets that the forces of darkness use to control and destroy people's lives. Nightmare in Holmes County, available now on Amazon. Check it out. Well, there you have it, folks, on uh, our episode on missing persons and how to locate someone that you are looking for and when not to. And uh, any information you can find through my website, willzpi.com. And uh, subscribe to the network, folks. Join me every Thursday evening here on The Informant. I'm Will ZPI. Till next time, God bless. You got to know.